seat and we'll get started here. All right. Okay, let's go ahead and grab a seat. We'll get started. All right. So I uh, just want to take another opportunity to uh, welcome you to the Firehouse Church and just tell you good morning and uh, thanks for joining us this morning. If, uh, if you're new with us, again, we just encourage you to sit back, enjoy yourself, get a refill. If you get a chance, bring me a refill. Um, that'd be awesome. Uh, my name is Rich. I'm one of the pastors here. And you may or may not be able to tell from over there, but I'm, I'm hobbling around on stage here. So I think I haven't seen you, or at least I haven't taught since, uh, since I visited the podiatrist last. But if you can tell, i got a designer boot here. Um, could only afford one of them. But uh, anyways, I have an appointment to, uh, tomorrow to see the podiatrist again. They told me, I thought it was a stress fracture. Ends up it's uh, perineal tendonitis. For those of you who know what the perineal tendon is, that's what it is uh, right there. But it's better, I think, than a stress fracture. No surgery required, hopefully. Just pain down where that connects with the side of the foot. I've been in this boot for two weeks. They put me on some uh, prescription steroids. So I don't know if you noticed or not, but uh, I don't know how steroids for inflammation and I guess inflaming the muscles there as well, but uh, we'll try to keep those in check here. Um, but uh, what else we have? So anyways, yeah, if you get a chance, you could put a prayer in that I could take this boot off and get back to regular walking shoes and eventually running. It's kind of put a, a cramp you know, in my, you know, my athletic opportunities here. I've been... I can't move side to side too much. I can't hardly jump at all. So, um, so really, it's not imp impacted my basketball game a bit. So, uh, uh, but I can still take you on in free throws if you want to give it a shot. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, lastly, before we get started here, March Madness. Anyone, uh, March Madness, if you're like me and have a bracket. It has converted into March Sadness already by now. Um, my billion dollar bracket got busted last night, I think was the final straw. That, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> I think it was the first, the first week or whatever that most people's, no one was qualified for the billion dollars again or something. But we do have a guy in here. I don't know if you know Dave Cronin. He, uh, one year he got the entire first round of the 64 or 32 games right and and then his bracket was busted after that too. But that was uh, one of his claims to fame. Dave also does geocaching. If you do any geocaching, talk to Dave. I'm trying to get him to put a firehouse geocache stop here with, with some cool knickknacks in, in something out there. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we'll jump into our series. Actually, it's a, the final. It's a wrap-up of a series we started. Uh, Tim last week hit on chapter 5, the second half of chapter 5 from the first letter to the Thessalonians. And, and I kicked off the series a while back, kind of the intro to the series, using Acts chapter 17 and how they even showed up in the city of Thessalonica. And then I'm going to be kind of the bookends on the other side of it here, and we're going to wrap up this, this whole series. So um, we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll jump into that. Hopefully you have a handout. If you don't, we could get you one. I think we also have some pens floating around here too, but let's just pray real quick. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning, this chance to come together and just to worship you and be renewed in, in the truths of, of your, the reality of you as our Savior, the reality that you are coming back for us soon. Uh, God, I just pray you'd meet us here as we wrap up this series. I pray there would be some things that mark our hearts, things from your word, things from the example you uh, have recorded for us to learn from here. And God, we just turn this time over to you. We just ask by your spirit, you, you would use, speak to us uh, through your word. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to do, um, this morning we're looking at, you know, I'm just calling it timeless takeaways. We're really going to look at four things. You know, I think uh, depending on which pastor was speaking this morning, it is possible we would each have four different things, timeless takeaways to give you. I know Tim Cavanaugh last week, he had the, the assignment of condensing uh, the second half of chapter 5, 18 directives, specific things we're told to do, and he condensed them down. He, he picked three, and I'm almost positive if we would have, uh, as pastors, been given the, the, you know, the assignment to pick three of those. We might have all picked three different ones. Tim gave us the top three from last week there. The, the number four, I don't know if you realize it, but I'm betting if Tim had to pick a number four, it was a verse he talked about more than I was expecting, the, the verse about a holy kiss. Tim talked about that. And, uh, 
you know, and, and he's been talking about that in our pastor's meeting, and I think, uh, I'm not convinced that's not Tim's number one verse out of that passage there. We're, we're, we're you know, things in our meeting have gotten a little awkward. It's like, Tim, no, let's just, uh, I do the handshake, the holy handshake, brother. So, no, just joking. I thought I'd pick on him a little bit there, but... Uh, Anyways, that's been fun. But, you know, I am going to give you uh, some of the, the takeaways that, that God has impacted me with as we've looked at this uh, study together here. Um, you know, the series has been called Looking Forward. And really, it comes from a phrase. We're even going to look at that verse that, that, that comes from here in the first chapter of Thessalonians. But it's the idea that the church in the city of Thessalonica, they had an eager expectation of the Lord's return. And it impacted everything they did. Uh, some... Some, most of it good, and a few things they had to be corrected on that, that weren't as good. But uh, they, they just had this expectation. And so uh, we called the series Looking Forward. Uh, I like uh, what I read from one Bible commentator, and he, he kind of gave a summary, a synopsis of the whole first letter here. And he put it like this as it relates to looking forward to the Lord's return. And he said... Um, the Christian who is expecting the, Lord, uh, the return of the Lord Jesus has no room for idols in his heart, mentioned in chapter 1. Slackness in his service was uh, mentioned in, in chapter 2. Divisions in his fellowship, chapter 3 had some verses on that. 4, he talks about depression in his mind, sadness about those who've gone before them to be with the Lord. And then the fifth one he said... He has no room for sin in his life. And, and these are things that if you're looking forward to the Lord's return that we, we need to be thinking about. And um, I like this summary. There's a number of ways it should impact our living if we're really serious about... There's a timetable. There's, there's a, a, what you'd say, a deadline, a time limit to our opportunity to get the good news out to people. And it really increases uh, the sense of urgency that we should have, that they had. And so we're going to look at a couple of these verses here. The first one I want to start with is um, really uh, a verse we started the opening week of this series with. And um, we'll, give you, we'll just read this real quickly here. But in the opening section of Acts chapter 17 that recorded the journey of Paul, of the Apostle Paul and Silas and his team that came to really start the church in Thessalonica, it said they were, they were in Philippi before that, and there had been persecution there, and Paul was beaten there, and they were basically run out of town. And it says here they, um, they passed through um, Amphipolis and Apollonia, and then they came to Thessalonica. And it went on to say, as was his custom, he, he showed up in the synagogue, he started preaching, and you know, here in the second verse I think it says, This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. And he just started, they hit the ground running. That was his M.O. They show up and they were there to share the gospel. And because of that, there was a church to write back to, this first letter of Thess Thessalonians and the second letter, because they had established a church there. And, um, you know, I think the point that, that you can fill in your blanks related to this, I want to just kind of touch on is that these guys had a focused clarity about their gospel-centered mission. Your, your first blank there, a focused clarity. You know, Paul and his team, they, uh, they weren't just on a tour. You know, they weren't just checking out, hey, boy, there's Mount Olympus in the background. This would be a great photo opportunity. Um, boy, this whole area, the Mediterranean is beautiful. Let's just kind of get out and do some sightseeing. Paul and Silas and their team were there on purpose. They, they had a real clarity about why they even went to that city. And it didn't have a lot to do with tourism or entertainment. It had a lot, everything to do with God and the gospel. And that's why he had brought them there. And so, um, you know, that's, what, that's something that an example, really these four timeless takeaways have to do with four examples that uh, we can all learn from. The first two examples had to do with the Apostle Paul and the team that brought the gospel to that city. The second two examples have to do with the Thessalonians them themselves and their example to us. And, uh, but, you know, I just think there's, a, there's it's real challenging how much clarity they had on this subject. I put a number of these verses down. You know, back in the days when Jesus rose from the grave, He gave a mission. And it was pretty clear, you read the Scripture, it was almost like, uh, there was a set of orders, marching orders that he gave to his disciples. And when you read the commands, it seems kind of like he meant for them to be obeyed. And he shared his heart. And sharing commands, these are things that he wanted. These were God's will, the things that he really wanted to 
be accomplished by his followers. Um, the, the apostles, you go, well, how did they receive it? Well, you know, it's pretty clear from their uh, response that they did take it like they were, you know, uh, in the book of Acts, Luke records here, even in the first verse or two, he says, um, I, first, I composed this account all, about all Jesus began to do and teach until the day He was taken up from heaven, and after He had by the Holy Spirit given orders to the apostles. It seemed to them that He had given orders. Later on, as they're preaching, Peter's preaching in the city, in one place he says um, about Jesus, he said, He ordered us to preach to the people and to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as the judge of the living and the dead. And of Him all the prophets bear witness that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. They had a sense that they were almost under orders. And, and that's how they lived. And they didn't just go willy-nilly here and there. They kind of, you know, it's funny. Sometimes Paul had a dream once where this guy said, Hey, come to, come to our city. Come to Macedonia, I think. Something like that. And it didn't have any specifics. But Paul, it said Paul just assumed, God wants me to share the gospel there. And, and he went. There was not a lot of details. But I wonder if we need to learn from their example a little more. You know, that we could have that focus again. And I was thinking, all of us here in this room really fall into three groups of people as it relates to this subject here. And um, I want to talk about those three groups of people and um, maybe have some encouragements to each one of you, regardless of what category. And we've got some fun pictures we're going to look at here as well. But the first group would be, you know, some of the people in this room here, some of you, um, you came to Denver on purpose. Some of you came to the city of Denver, Colorado, because you felt like God called you here to share the gospel, to team up with others and be a part of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in this city. Some of you came back when we started this church back 10 years ago. Some of you came to the city of Denver before, before the firehouse was started. Some were a part of the north side in the Valley View Church. I was talking to Dale. He was probably the first one in town in the city of Denver of this group that was here on, on purpose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Eventually, uh, Tim Cavanaugh and Rick Whitney came out from Florida, I think. Is that where you guys came from? Florida to be a part of... Just to check out the scenery, right? To go skiing. You wanted to advance your skiing career. And so Tim moved out here. But they came out with the purpose of sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Um, others came out. I think of uh, Dennis and uh, the Prairie View Church down there. Dennis didn't come out to advance his skiing career that I know of. Um, he came out to be a part of sharing the gospel with people in the city of, in the metro city of three million people. And that's what brought him here. And I just think it's good to remember that a lot of us, we came with a, a purpose. And I, and I want to ask you, how, how's that clarity? How's that focus? Is what brought you here? What's keeping you here? Other group of people is, you know, there's those God has sent to bring the gospel to this city. And you know what? There's another group of people here that God has brought you to hear the gospel. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but some of you, God has brought you to connect with people who have been sent to share the gospel. I remember myself when God brought me out to Colorado from New Mexico. I had no aspirations of going to Colorado. We hardly have anything to ski on down there anyways. Um, there are a few mountains. Rio Doso and Albuquerque has something over there. Um, I guess Santa Fe and Taos too. But anyways, God baited me out here and I thought I showed up in a church a lot like this, a church in Fort Collins. And, and I thought, you know, I'm a Christian. I've gone to church. And, but little did I know I was in this second group of people. God brought me to a, a bunch of people who were there in that city with the purpose of sharing Jesus Christ with people. And he, sh he had the gospel shared with me. And it was news to me. And I didn't realize I needed a Savior. And I lived almost 25 years thinking I was one of the good guys and had my act together. And little did I know I needed to hear the good news about Jesus more personally. And He brought me into that as part of that group is where I showed up first. So there's those that have been sent here to bring the gospel. There's those who are here. God has brought you here to communicate the gospel to you. And the last group is those maybe you've been a believer. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while. And maybe you're here because God does have an intention for you, for every believer. He wants every believer to take this mission on, the Great Commission. I love how He, he told His disciples this in Matthew 28, here, 19 and 20. He said... Um, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. 
Sometimes people go, yeah, those apostles, they're the ones that were commanded to do this. You know what Jesus told that first group of followers? He said, I want you to go, and I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. And I've told you to get the gospel to the ends of the earth, and make disciples along the way, and go teach other people how to do that. And I don't know where you are as a Christian, but one thing you've got to know, God does not do accident. God doesn't bring people to this church accidentally. God doesn't do anything by accident. And if you're a part of this group of people here, God wants you to know there's a bunch of Christians who are very serious about carrying out this mission. The mission that those first disciples had. That's the mission we're still trying to be on today. And we invite you to join in. If you're in that third group, you're Christians, maybe you don't have a mission. Maybe you don't know what you're supposed to do. I want to let you know God has a plan for your life. God has a, a mission for you. And, and we're, we'd love to have you join in. You know, there's a booklet you can read. It's at the back of the room here. But it's, it's called God's Plan for Your Life. And it's a plan, a kind of broad strokes that God would have from the Scriptures. It's very clear there's something God wants from all of His followers in a general sense and in a specific sense in the way you carry it out with your gifts and your passion and your faith. I encourage you, if you don't have a church, a team you're a part of, we would love to have you pray about joining in, jumping in with us as we try to carry out this mission. And again... If you're on this mission or you came to this city with this mission, sometimes we need to refocus. Uh, I think about a, a magnifying glass. You know, it's summertime. Uh, the sun's staying up later. We're going to get out in the yard. And I've got to train my kids in using the magnifying glass again. I think they forgot from last season how to, how to carve things into the wood out there, start little mini fires. Um, but, you know, with a magnifying glass, it's, it's the same, same device the whole time, but depending on how you focus the sun's rays, sometimes it can be a little brighter, and, you know, kind of you see this little light forming, but it doesn't have much of an impact. But when you focus those rays on a spot, it starts things on fire. It has a great impact. You can leave a mark on things, and that's God's will for every one of us as Christians. And, you know, again, if you're, you're like, whoa, this is a little more serious than I was hoping for, maybe you're still figuring out your faith, this is a great place for you as well. We'd love to help you understand God. God is pursuing every one of us to have a relationship. And He wants us to know that He did send His Son to, to die on the cross for, for your sins and for mine. And that He wants to give you a new life and a new mission. I'd love to talk to you more about that. We have a little booklet back at the, the literature table as well. That's just how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. How you know for sure you have eternal life according to the Scriptures. And I'd love to communicate that with you. It's one of my favorite things to do in all of life. And, and I know there's a bunch of people here. If we had a show of hands, how many would be glad to communicate that to you? you there, there's a whole room full. But anyways, um, it's, uh, their example to us is extremely challenging. And, and we probably need to get a little refocusing going in our lives as well. I've got to move on to these other ones here quickly. But uh, here's, a, here's a few pictures. This is... Uh, Ten years ago, we sent a spring break team down from Colorado State here to downtown Denver. Any of you recognize any of these familiar faces, semi-familiar faces? Look at that. Look at that kid right there with the glasses. And that was Brad Albert, is that right? That's uh, Brad back in the day. Some of you might remember Joy Whitney. She was a part of the team back then. No longer Joy Whitney. There's Elisa. Uh, she was a part of the team. Matt Simpson was on that one. Got another picture here. Here's another group of people you might recognize. Caitlin, right there in the front row. And I see Tara and Bree, and there's Amber sitting next to her. There's me at the very end of the table. I don't know if you notice that little critter that's standing up right next to me on the table. That is uh, my 11-year-old daughter, Rory Catherine, back when she was uh, not 11 years old yet and had curly hair and could stand on the table without a problem, you know. Um, but, you know, I was telling my kids about this recently. Ten years ago, last weekend after church, I took my kids. We grabbed some Little Caesars pizza at a park. And I said, you know, Graham, you know what? Ten years ago, we had a team down here in Denver beginning to share the gospel, beginning to see there's a need. There's a lot of big churches in the suburbs, but the downtown really seems to have... Um, maybe a void of churches that are doing what we're doing, this mission. And, uh, you know, we sent that team down. 
the date there, you might recognize 321 of 04. Well, we went back to Fort Collins, and, and two days later, Graham Jordan Thatcher was born. And so I told her, you know, I remember this pizza. This was a, at a pizza hut in Brighton, Colorado, where we wrapped up our, our spring break trip. Some of you might know that uh, pizza huts. But uh, anyways, uh, later on that summer, we, we had a team down for the summer. A number of people got jobs at Elitch's, high-paying jobs at Elitch's. Um, and uh, you can see some more familiar faces there again. And there's uh, Brad off to the side again. I see uh, there's Morgan with Roy. I'm holding little Graham Jordan. You know, we had, she was born in March and we moved down here in May. So she was only a couple weeks old and she was a part of the mission team. See some other people in there. There's Amy Olson. I see, uh, I think Bree, I see her in there. There's Jeff hiding in the back there. Jeff, I give a hard time to. He's like, he's got a timeless look. I don't think he's aged in 10 years. <laughs> I don't think he runs any slower. His basketball game is not any slower. It's, he's just kind of a, a special guy there. But uh, anyways, there's a whole bunch. There's another guy here. We had a guy. Some of you see Jay Weber. I don't know if he's here this morning. He's been joining us for church. But Jay, we packed people into rooms at Sherman Tower here for that summer to, to cut down on costs. But Jay happened to uh, have a, a cot, I think, or an air mattress or something in the closet. There and so Jay, Jay had the closet. We joked that we, we took the, the space that Jay would take up was called a Jay Weber unit, and so we measured everything by Jay Weber units. But um, Jay has rejoined us again here recently. So, anyways, but that's a uh, back in the days. A number of people came here on purpose and on mission, and uh, we want to make sure we all have that. Some preceded this team. If you're from Valley View or the North Side or or Prairie View and, and Parker there, and so. Uh, but this is some fun memories we have there. Let's see the next one. We're going to fly through these other points a little faster here. Um, next blank you can fill in. It was just uh, so these guys came to town. The Apostle Paul and his crew, Silas and them, and and they had a loving boldness with the gospel that radically changed lives. A loving boldness is the blank you can put down there. And this verse, I love it. It just says both verse two and eight. It just says, "With the help of our God, we dared to tell you His gospel in spite of strong opposition, and we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God but our lives as well." They dared and they were delighted to share the gospel, and, and they did. Um, they came to town to share the gospel, and that is what they did. But I think the, the awesome thing is because they shared the gospel, um, they gave people the opportunity to respond to the gospel. You know, we read in Acts 17 about a guy named Jason. He hosted the team there. Jason went on to be probably one of the first guys persecuted in the city of Thessalonica. Uh, Jason and some others became believers. A number of them, I think it's pretty clear from the scriptures, they went on to be martyrs in that city, in that new church. And, uh, but their lives were radically impacted because someone dared to share the gospel with them. And, and they responded to it. I love this verse here. Some of you know it's um, when it comes to the gospel that, that it has power. We're sharing a message that when responded to with faith has power for salvation, for massive life change. This one is Romans 1.16. It just says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. This is the Apostle Paul who brought the gospel to Thessalonica. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. You know, when you tell someone this message, the good news about Jesus Christ, and they have the opportunity to respond in faith, it can radically change their life. And we... Uh, try to follow this example that we see in the New Testament and people who came to the city and we began sharing the gospel. And guess what? There's people in this room whose lives have been changed because they heard the gospel, because they responded to the gospel, because they decided to plug in with a bunch of people who are serious about this mission. I, I wanted just to throw out some names of people that, that I could think of. I thought of Kayla over there. Then I remember when Kayla got baptized back at the other location. I think Kayla, Jason Marine, um, they were the first ones to pioneer the, the firehouse holy uh, hot tub or, or um, cattle tank, I think is what it was there. So um, remember Kayla, Andrew, Andrew Harris joined us here at the Firehouse Church. And Andrew came to faith. And Andrew's life was radically turned around. Andrew's on a team. And so is Kayla to go take the gospel to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I think of some others that are part of that team. Alfredo. Um, others that aren't on that team. I think of Jesse. I think of Susan and Javier and Angela and Craig. I think about the, the Valley View people, Russ and Tammy and maybe Dave Van Handel and some people. There's people whose lives have been changed because someone dared to share the gospel with them. 
And when someone heard it and they responded to it with faith, their lives were transformed. And that is such a challenging example. Sometimes we go, I'm here, I know all about the gospel, but unless you tell it to someone, they don't have a chance to respond. Unless you bring it to them, they can't respond with faith and be saved and become uh, transformed followers of Christ. And so we've got to, to continue doing that, you know, and that's a, a great example to us here. Um, another one we've got here, this verse, I, I love this one. This kind of relates to the, the eager expectation. This is from the Living Bible. I put this verse in here. First chapter of Thessalonians, verse 10. But it says, and they speak. This is an example of the Thessalonians themselves. Before it was an example of Paul and the team that brought the gospel here. But it says, They speak of how you are looking forward to the return of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God brought back to life. And He is our only Savior from God's terrible anger against sin. And this is where we got that phrase, uh, looking forward. They were looking forward to the Lord's return. And they were so excited that they had been forgiven for their sins and the wrath that was due them for their sins. And they were so excited to share that good news with others. And uh, they had an eager expectancy about the return of Christ. Dennis used the word, introduced the word to us when he taught 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, a word called eminent or eminency. And I think I spelled it right. I'm not sure. The dictionary did not like the adding from eminent to eminency. But the idea that the return of Christ is near and that, uh, as Dennis shared, if you believe uh, that it could happen before the tribulation, which I think is what these guys believed, um, that there's a sense, an expectancy that you can have and that you would have related to that. And they did have. And I would make the case that these guys, one of the ways this series has marked me, is I don't think there's any other example in the New Testament of a group of believers who had more of a sense of the imminent return of the Lord than these guys had. And uh, other churches, they you know, addressed other topics. They're the, the church that it seems like they caught it the most, apart from the apostles themselves. The apostles were very clear. Peter says, hey, the Lord is near, the return is near. Some of the other apostle writers, they, they, had, they, they knew this. They were there when Jesus said... Be ready for when I come back and here's the signs. Um, but this church, they really had a sense of that. Now, now we know they had such a sense of that they had to be corrected, right? Um, there were people that were just sitting around. They had their bags packed and they're like waiting for the Lord. And you know, it's like, He didn't show today. Uh, someone give me something to eat because I, I didn't work today. I don't have any food. And, and they, some of them began mooching off of others because they were just sitting around waiting for the Lord's return. But one of the things I want to draw out is that when Paul corrected their behavior, never, never, never did he correct them for their eager expectation. He corrected them for laziness and for idleness, but he never said, you know what, don't have that expectation quite as you do. I think their example is timeless, and it's for us. And, you know, I think sometimes some doctrinal issues can have a pendulum swing. And, you know, if... Uh, if they were on this side, they, they swung too far that side, they, they just had to adjust on a few things, like get back to work and wait for His return, and don't be mooching off of people, and live a respectful life because you're working hard. Um, but you know, if the pendulum has swung in any direction in our culture, folks, it is this side over here. And I do not know a person, myself included, who is too far with an expectancy of the Lord's return and all the ramifications that that should bring to a life. And I think we could all use to swing back the other direction. Uh, and, and they give us an amazing example of doing that. And Let's see here. Last point we want to just look at is, uh, I love this verse here. It just says, Not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in uh, Macedonia and Achaia, but also... Uh, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we do not need to say anything. But it said the word of the Lord, it sounded forth from there. And, and our blank has to do with, they had a resounding impact with the gospel. They were impacted by the gospel, and they began to impact others. The word I like for that is epicenter. They became an epicenter of gospel activity. They sent shockwaves to the surrounding regions and areas with the gospel. They really, in some ways, uh, Paul was accused of turning the world upside down, but when, when shockwaves go out with the gospel and the world's turned upside down, like we said at the opening of this series, turning the world upside down in many ways actually just turns it right side up again. And, and that's what happened because of the gospel went to that city. It resounded. It went forth. And, you know, my hope is that the gospel continues to go forth from, 
from the Firehouse Church. And I think of the ways that it has here. Um, you know, uh, I was just thinking of the ways the gospel has gone out. The gospel has gone out. We have people that have been laboring on campus for the last 10 years. I would say the gospel has gone out hundreds, if not thousands of times on the Auraria campus over the last 10 years. The gospel has gone out in our neighborhoods, and we've been flyering. We've had visitors come to church. The gospel has gone out. I know the gospel has gone out through Valley View Church and Northside Church before that, and, and Prairie View uh, from a Parker as well. And I think of other places. As a church, we've sent mission teams to take the the gospel to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and we helped uh, gut houses. We did some gutting for the Lord over there, and we brought the gospel to that city as well. And we went to El Paso, Texas to help a church get started. We shared the gospel there. Went to Phoenix, Arizona to help a church there and shared the gospel. We went to Seattle, Washington, and you know, there's people that uh, a team from our church that was a part of the core leaders uh, went to Manhattan, Kansas, to share the gospel there. And God bless their work in that church there. And there's another team that Jeff has taken to Stillwater, Oklahoma, to share the gospel there. And because of the gospel in this, God bringing the gospel through us, uh, other countries, other continents have had the gospel preached there. I was a privilege to be a part of a team that went to... Um, East Asia, creative access country, China. Hopefully no one's re recording us and going to give this to the Chinese government. But we took the gospel there. I remember sharing with a guy at a university in China who did not know who Jesus Christ was. And it just blew my mind. An engineering student in China did not know Jesus Christ and the good news about Him. And the gospel is sounding forth from this church and we need it to happen all the more. And so the obvious question becomes as we look at these four examples from these guys... How in the world, as I think we got on the next one here, how in the world can we follow an example like that? An example that turned over uh, the world of their time, turned things upside down. And you know, I think I just want to give us one answer. We're going to close with the practicals related to this answer here. The answer is we can pray. We can pray for every one of those things. The cool thing to know is that everything awesome that happened by Paul and Silas and the Thessalonians. It happened because God helped them do it. God gave them grace and faith and boldness and eagerness. And that's why it happened. And you know what? That same God wants to help us have a focused clarity. He wants us to have a, a loving boldness. He wants us to have an eager expectation. And He wants us to... Um, have a resounding impact as well. And the same God that sourced them with all of that grace is the one who wants to help us. And that is all available through prayer. I love this verse here. One of the verses I think about on prayer is in Acts chapter 4. They had some challenges they were facing. They came together and they sought God fervently in prayer. And I love this is what happened after their prayer meeting. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. If we want to be an epicenter for the gospel, I think we've got to get back to prayer meetings that shake the regions around us. And, and I want that, and I want to be a part of that. But, um, you know, they started with prayer. If you read Acts, Acts before they even got the Holy Spirit and kind of unleashed on people the gospel, <laughs> Acts 1.14 says, they met together constantly in prayer. And, and we probably could learn from that and grow from that, but we would have access to the same power that God brought to bear back then. Another great verse on this is, um, oh, I love this one from Habakkuk 3.2, Old Testament prophet here, minor prophet, but he said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, O Lord. Renew them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. The men and women, I think it's it's our time to ask God to do this again in our day. Some of you had a, a different experiences with being a part of things that God has done. God did some amazing things in the first century church. I think about Dennis and a team of people back in the 70s who got real focused about their mission and they got real bold and, and faith-filled uh, faith and courageous with the gospel. And because of that, a movement of churches began. And... I heard about those days. I think about some back in Ames when hundreds of people got saved in Ames, Iowa because people were bold and focused with the gospel. And I heard about those things. And I remember when God saved uh, possibly hundreds of people through the work in Fort Collins there. In 1996, we started a student group and uh, many got saved and baptized. And, and I got to be a part of that. But you know, my prayer is, Lord... In our day, in our time, would you renew that again, O oh God? And I, I would love if we could all be praying that together. In, in our day, Lord, in our time, can we see you do that again? It was your deeds that people got the gospel 
preach to them. It was your deeds that people received the gospel. It was your work, Lord. And would you renew your work in our time, in our day again, in our church? Reading through the Psalms recently here, came across this one. Just display, oh God, your power as you have in the past. Would you do that again, Lord? The power of the gospel, would you help it to go out? Would you help people respond to it again? Another great one. You, answer, you faithfully answer our prayers with awesome deeds. O oh God, our Savior, you are the hope of everyone on earth, even those who sail on distant seas. We've got everything we need here, guys, and, and we, we need to be um, praying about it. And just let's see here, we're running out of time. I have to wrap up quickly. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the, the wrap up, I don't know if you've seen the commercial lately. Someone, anyone seen the, I want to say it's direct TV. I don't even know who does it, but they kind of start with like, because so and so was watching cable and he got fuzzy channels. He got sleepy, and because he got sleepy, he missed work. He got fired, and because he, you know, the zookeeper, and then because of that, a lowland ape tackled so and so. So don't, you know, whatever the point is. But I think if you were to put a commercial together like this, you know, I think about adding, adding these things up and just going, you know, because that group of people back in the first century began to pray, they got uh, very focused, a focused clarity about their mission, the gospel, and because they got focused in their mission, they they got out there with a, a courageous love, a loving boldness, and they shared with people. And because they shared with people, people got saved and their lives got radically transformed. And because their lives got radically transformed and they got a sense of eagerness of the Lord's return, they had a resounding impact of the world around them. They became an epicenter of the gospel. And because they became an epicenter of the gospel, uh, the world began to get turned upside down because of that. And if we want to turn the world upside down, we got to start, we got to begin praying that God would do something like that with us. We've got to be praying that together. And I hope that we would in these coming weeks. We want to just grow in that and ask God to fuel that spirit of prayer here. But, uh, you know, a couple practicals we have coming up you can pray for here. We've got a pastor's uh, vision retreat. We're trying to come up with an Acts 1-8 plan. Our association asks every church to have an Acts 1-8 plan. What's, what are you going to be doing in your Jerusalem, in your Judea, kind of your region, your city, your region, and even what are you doing internationally? We're going to be trying to take a, a retreat here in the next month or so and ask that you be joining us and praying for us in that. Um, pray to reach our Jerusalem. You know, Jeru- your Jerusalem is your, your neighborhood, your workplace, your school, your church's neighborhood. We need to be praying to reach our Jerusalem. We have a few things you can be praying for specifically. We're praying for a big push for this Easter. We would like to put out several thousand flyers in our neighborhood. And we've got them printed and ready to be picked up. Um, and we're hoping to, to send those flyers out and, um, in the neighborhood. We've always gotten a response from our flyers. Most of them are positive responses. Um, not all of them. I've got a letter here from back when we put out flyers. We put out probably 10,000 flyers for the grand opening of this church. And I remember this one letter we got that was from someone that said, um, they, they put the flyer in here and it was nice so we could recycle it. Um, but, you know, they said, someone from your organization left this trash on our port. If it happens again, we'll call the cops. We'll have you cited for trespassing and littering. Is that clear? In the meantime, you could take your love of God and your glossy, two-sided, non-recyclable door hanger and cram them up your whatever. And then it says, yours in Christ. And it gives their address here. I've held on to this. I'm, I'm going back there this week. Um, no, I'm just joking. But, uh, you know, that wasn't a positive response. But you know what it did tell me when we put those out there? We need to be here. There's people who need to hear this good news of love and forgiveness and life change. And, and we're going to go back and I'm not going to tell you their address and we may visit them again. I would not be surprised if it was my kids and myself that put the flyer on their door. And, and that's okay. They might have moved by now too. I don't know. But, um, but you know, flyers also, they can have a negative impact. But you know, flyers can have a life-changing impact as well. And I want to invite Charity up here real quick. I asked if she would just share real briefly um, a flyer began an impact, had a resounding impact on Charity's life. Would you welcome her real quickly here? All right. Let me see. Do I have a mic for you? Let me get you a mic. All right. Some of you might uh, know some of Charity's story here. Some of you might not. I was telling the, other, uh, the others in the pastor's meeting this week about it, and I thought, you know what? We're going to do flyers, and you need to know there's a good reason for doing that. And um, Charity, why don't you share a little bit about uh, how you heard about the firehouse, how you showed up here, things like that? Um, um, I was at a bus stop waiting for the bus, and I got a flyer as I was getting on the bus. And I didn't think twice about it, and I just 
put it in my nightstand and then a series of things happened and then a year later I pulled it out and I went to small group. <laughs> Showed up at small group just a year later she got okay and then uh, after that uh, someone where did you hear the gospel? Who shared the gospel? Um, I started hanging out with some of the single, single girls and I went to Raria campus and um, I they had the diagram up on the slide a couple of times at campus and um, I went home and it just like all was really laid out there before me and I just saw that I was separated from God and I didn't want that anymore so yeah. That's awesome. and then <laughs> you know uh, maybe some people don't know so you're You've been, you're the president of our campus organization right now, is that right? I'm not even a student. You're not a student, but we don't have to renew our, our uh, constitution until next semester, but you're looking at the president of our campus outreach organization here, Charity, and why don't you guys just give her a, a warm welcome, a warm thanks for us all. You know, Charity's... Uh, been out on campus regularly now sharing the gospel with other people teamed up with Dennis and Anna and some of the other ones on campus and but I just think about this people passed out flyers some people don't like him and there's negative feedback you know for uh, I think we've only got probably about one person out of every hundred people that have been impo impacted in a positive way whether by visiting or, or someone whose life has been changed we get a little bit of negative feedback but God can use something like that, your sacrifice, your time and effort for life change, like He used as a part of charity's life. And so I, I want to invite you to join us this Wednesday night instead of worship. We're inviting people to help us pass out flyers in this neighborhood. Bring your kids. Uh, maybe you have to eat dinner early or later or something like that. And we're going to pray the weather will be helpful. But if not, a little rain is, is probably... a a little price to pay for, for what Christ has done for us. But I invite you to join us. We're aiming for 6 o'clock Wednesday evening. And if you can't get there by 6, as early as you can, we're just, we only have so much daylight. We want to get out as many flyers as we can. So we'd ask that you guys would join us for that. Um, and we're also going to pass them out this coming Saturday as well, 10 a.m. Anyone who's available, we're going to meet here 10 a.m. To, to go out and pass out some more flyers. We're hoping to hit about 2,000 uh, uh, homes or, or doors or whatever in our neighborhood here, and, uh, or 2,500 I think we printed. Also, when we have the flyers next week, we want to give you some to take back to your neighbors. You know, sometimes it might be a long way to bring people to church on a Sunday morning, but, but a lot of people go a long ways on Easter morning. Um, but I encourage you to invite your neighbors, your co-workers, your, your peers, whatever it is here. Um, so we're going to be flying right there. There's Charity's story. It's neat to see how God used that for good. Here's a picture of the flyer, one side of it. It's alive, having to do with um, how we can be alive through Jesus Christ and what He did. There's the back side of it. Got uh, all the information there. Um, you know, a couple other things you'd be praying for in our Jerusalem here. Just grand opening for nightlife. We'll talk more about that next week. We're going to have a grand opening in early May, May 3rd. And, and so we can be praying about that. They're going to have flyers for that as well. I encourage you to finish your personal faith stories. If you have not finished, please finish strong. Go the extra mile so that you can be influencing your Jerusalem with your story and how Jesus Christ has impacted your life. And we've got a couple of examples, samples of those. Here's Charities here and her uh, cover page. You know, it's a trifold thing. We can get you the format if you need it. I've got, um, let's see, I've got mine here as well. Uh, we'd love to get... Get more of yours on there. Um, what else do we have here? Let's see. Next one. Our, our Judea and Samaria. We're praying to reach our, our city, our state. Um, really, I want to invite you all to the Stillwater uh, Going Away Party tonight. If you haven't heard, we had an email about it. But we're having a party for the Stillwater team. Those who are going to move to take the gospel to Stillwater, Oklahoma. In some ways, you know, Judea, I think about their region. Samaria was kind of even uh, the borders of a new culture there. And I think the Stillwater team is going to a new culture. It's a cowboy, cowboy country out there, I think. It's a, a strange and awkward culture. But uh, no, just joking. But they're going to take the gospel there. I'm joking. It would be awkward for me to be in the cowboy culture. But um, anyways, uh, so we're having a party tonight, 6 p.m. You're all invited. We're just going to share encouraging stories about people on the team. If you've got stories that are embarrassing, we'll work with you on that as well. Um, but uh, it'll be a great time, 6 to 8 tonight. We're, we're praying, you know, about God's plan for the Denver metro area. And we have a headquarters here in the Highlands neighborhood and trying to see what's the next location He wants us to, uh, to open up while maintaining this. And, and we're get, praying about that as part of our retreat. Um, 
What else there? The ends of the earth. You know, we're, again, we're encourage you to join us in praying about that. We're talking with Leo Salazar. The Valley View in the past used to take a few teams down to Juarez, Mexico to, uh, to do crazy things like turn a dirt floor living situation into a floor that actually had concrete or to put walls on places where there were formerly pallets or things like that. But we're praying about would God have another opportunity for us there trying to figure out details on that. We've been to East Asia before in China and I know there's people who would love us to, to send people back there. Think about Africa and some different connections. I know Greeley has connections there. I think of Daryl and his family having connections there. For some of you Francophone speaking folks like Ned and myself, um, or mostly Ned, but um, we'll see what opportunities God has for us. And the last one I just encourage you to pray about, ask God about your part to play. Sometimes the call to all, we're saying, hey, our church is doing this, and people can always go, someone else is doing that. But you know, God wants you to be a part of sharing your faith and a part of advancing His kingdom. And you might ask Him, God, what is your part for me? You know, the verse that I put there, Psalm 57, 2, it says... Um, Let's see here. Did I have it on my verse sheet here? It's one that just says, I call out to God most high, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Did you know God has a purpose for you? Sometimes we call God into our purpose, into our plans. But if you want to call out to God and ask Him, God, what is your purpose for me? I'm open to hearing about that. And I think He has a part for you to play, and probably a more important, more adventurous part than you have realized up to now. So we'll go ahead and pray. And uh, sorry to keep you a few extra minutes here, but um, we'll, we'll pray and hope to see you tonight at the, um, the Stillwater party as well. Let's just bow our heads here. Well, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this whole series that you led us through, studying um, what you did in the city of Thessalonica 2,000 years ago and how some of the examples that you had recorded for us are timeless and, and as convicting and challenging and, as, and encouraging as ever, Lord. And we, we just thank you for that. And help us, Lord. Help us to pray. Help us to seek you to do all that, that you had them do, that you called them to do. Lord, we want to continue to see lives changed and impacted. We want to have a resounding impact with the gospel. We want to be an epicenter that turns the world around us upside down. And we need your help, Lord. Please move in us and through us and for your glory, Lord. And we just thank you for this series. God, we ask you to bless the going away party tonight for the Stillwater team. We ask you to lead us into the plans you have for reaching our, our Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, and the ends of the earth. And we pray this all together this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for coming this morning and uh, hopefully we'll see you tonight at the going away party. Have a great uh, day.